morning, church. Good to see all of you. Um, I feel like, before I get rolling here, uh, because we record this and we put it out online, I need to tell our, our podrishioners, so to speak, our people who watch online, that this is not First Church of Merca. Because <laughs> that's what they're all, everybody's going to see. Now, at the same time, if you uh, have served this country, thank you for your service to this country. I want to make sure that I say that because it's important. Anyway, there. Now I feel better. So, Good, now I can preach. Uh, good to see all of you. Um, I hope that you're going to enjoy this last beautiful day for at least some time, apparently. Um, I was telling somebody earlier that I had read the forecast uh, a couple of days ago, it said that tomorrow it was going to rain. Now they've changed the terminology to precipitation, which is probably a euphemism for something else entirely. I don't know what that is, but we'll find out. It'll be fun, right? Anyway. All right, so we're uh, in this series called I Am the Vine. We're looking through John chapter 15. And the uh, uh, fundamental premise that I'm, I'm working off of in this entire series is simply this idea here. The difference between a believer and a disciple is God's presence. And, and I think that it, it, it's worth um, repeating numerous times that you can be a believer and not be a disciple. And the difference, I think, comes down to are you slowing your life down enough to actually hear the voice of God leading, guiding, directing, challenging, encouraging, you know, is that happening? Are we spending some time in the presence of God? Um, and I recognize that there's probably a fine line between those two things, but I think there is one there somewhere. And uh, that's between you and the Lord to figure out, but the point is that there's a difference here. And we're called to not only make disciples, but to be disciples. And I think the difference rests in this idea of the presence of God. And, and I think Jesus talks about this <clears throat> because this doesn't just happen. Um, I think there's, I'll, I'll call it this, a bit of folk theology that once you start believing in Jesus, then Jesus becomes a magic wand and bling, all of a sudden everything is okay. Well, it doesn't typically work that way. It certainly hasn't worked that way in, in my life and a whole bunch of people that I know. And, and so, while it doesn't just happen, what we really have to do is chase that presence. Now, I do believe that God meets us where we are, but I do think that we, we chase after his presence. And so, as Jesus talks about this in John chapter 15, um, we're trying to explore this in such a way that we can absorb it and then live it out. Because otherwise, I mean, if you're just, just going to read it, fine. Um, I'm, that's better than not reading it, but we, we kind of want some purpose to it. We want to read this and try to, try to live it out. And, and by the way, even if you're, you're just learning how to do that and you do it badly, at least you're trying, <laughs> right? At least you're chasing, and I think that's a, um, something that God wants for us. He'll meet us where we are. So try to absorb this thing and live it out. So I'm going to read through John chapter 15. You've got a Bible or Bible app. You might want to follow along. I'm reading from the NIV version. <clears throat> And uh, I'm starting with verse 1, and I'll go to verse 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so, uh, that, it will, um, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given, uh, given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord and we believe it. You know, if you, uh, if you haven't tried this, one of the things I would recommend over the next um, couple of weeks is just read through that verse a few times. Uh, do it before you go to bed at night and uh, maybe when you get up in the morning. That's the spiritual discipline of meditation. You want to read this thing over and over again and just think about what it means. might be a great idea to ask God, hey, what does this mean? See what he says. might be fun. Last week, we talked about the idea of pruning. That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> Talking about what pruning is. And today, I want to I pick up kind of what I, I, in, in my own mind, is in this underlying unspoken assumption that goes to the text. And I mentioned this before, but I want to say this again, and I want to I highlight this because I think it's really important. It's, it's simply this. God expects fruit. God expects fruit. Remember, when we, we talked about this originally, he said God is the gardener. A gardener plants a garden for one purpose, to reap some type of harvest, right? To produce some type of fruit or vegetable or something uh, of use, something of value. And so let's start with the basics that God expects fruit from his people. Does this make sense? I mean, this isn't rocket surgery, right? I mean, you plant a garden for a reason. God is the gardener. And I think God expects um, fruit. And that's the whole point of the, the pruning process here is that you know, we remove the things that don't produce fruit and, and if it does produce fruit, we, we, we prune it just so that it produces more. I mean, that's the whole idea behind that. And so um, I think this all goes right back again to the very beginning of the Bible. So remember when we talked about Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Where else did we hear about a garden and a gardener? Yeah, Genesis chapter, well, two for sure. And so I want to go back to Genesis chapter two because there's something in here that I think is really important <clears throat> um, in our understanding of this. So here it is. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Um, I, there's another translation I like a little bit better. It's a little more accurate. To cultivate it and care for it. And keep those two words in mind because I think, I think you can see what, what that actually um, in, entails. Um, ultimately, what God is saying to Adam, to the first man, do something with it. Make it produce things that are pleasing to you. Do something with this. And so there's this expectation that, that, um, that Adam is going to make it produce something of value. Does this make sense? So even from the very beginning of the Bible, we have this sense that God 
um, does indeed expect fruit. He expects us to be fruitful in the labor and that we would produce something and produce it abundantly. Are you tracking me with that on this one? I mean, because I, I think this is really an important feature. This is not just something that Jesus states out of the blue. This goes right back to the very DNA of human beings. Is that God expects us to produce fruit, and he's given us the ability to do so. So we can, we can um, do this with a certain amount of confidence. Now, <clears throat> I want you to notice um, verses 4 and 5. So let me just pull this one up. Uh, Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Um, so there's this idea here of remaining. It's this idea of staying connected, right? You have to be connected to the vine. Why? Because that's where nutrients come from. That's where water comes from. All the things that you need to produce that fruit comes from that vine. I mean, there's a certain amount of biology that goes along with this. But if you're connected to it, and what Jesus is saying here sounds an awful lot like presence, doesn't it? Stay present with me, and I will stay present with you. Well, maybe we can interpret it this way or, or, or reword it in that way. So there's, there's no Jesus-oriented fruit. There's nothing of lasting value um, if, if there's not that kind of connection. And so for me, I guess the question that I keep asking myself and I would, I would pose it to you is, what are you connected to? What is it that you find yourself connected to? Because there are a lot of alternatives to Jesus. Can I just say that out loud? There are a lot of things that you can be connected to. And, and the one that strikes me, at least kind of in American culture, there's two really. The first one is, is that we tend to be um, connected to this idea of success. The idea of success. Not necessarily success itself, but at least the idea of success. is that We're, we're trying to stay connected to that. And, and what, what I find fascinating, including what I find in my own life, is that most of us don't even define what success is for us. For a number of reasons. First of all, uh, we're too afraid to do it because <laughs> it does actually put some conditions of, you know, for failure on us. Uh, or we're too distracted to do it because, you know, I still got to, you know, pay the bills and my kids want to eat more than ramen noodles. I can't imagine that, right? And there's just this notion that there's too many other things that are going on. Or we're using someone else's definition of success. Some celebrities, which just is bizarre to me. So, uh, and yet I do it too. So don't, you know, I'm not the, you know, it's the kettle calling the pot black, right? I mean, the idea here is that it's, there is something not in us that we're connected to success, and yet we, we do kind of a lousy job of that. <clears throat> and the second thing too, I, I think that we find ourselves connected to most often is American consumerism. And wow, is it starting already, right? Um, I, I say this almost every single year. The thing that strikes me is a week before Halloween and you go into Lowe's and, and the witches and goblins and ghouls are sharing the aisle with Santa Claus. It's like, my gracious. And uh, the email coming out from the various sales, wow, just, there's all kinds of things. So American consumerism kind of dominates us in, in that regard. Um, I want to introduce you to this. This guy's name is uh, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, he's kind of this business and online media sort of guru. Uh, he is very New York, and so I don't recommend you go 
and listen to him online because you will hear language that you may not be used to. <clears throat> uh, and I don't mean just New York. Well, it is kind of New York language, but that's another story. But one of the things that he said that I find profound is this, love the process, not what the process can buy you. Now, I think there's a number of ways that we can, we can reword this for our own purposes, but, I mean, really think about what this says, is that in, in the sense of American consumerism, a lot of the times we engage in activities not because we love the activity, but be, because we love what the activity can actually purchase for us. And, and I, the way that I kind of learned this the hard way is that a paycheck does not get you out of bed in the morning. It just doesn't. It may for a while, and the bigger the paycheck, <laughs> usually what happens is that the bigger guilt you feel because you don't love the process. And that undermines us. That undermines our ability to actually um, do something that's fruitful. I mean, lasting fruit. Is this making sense? I think this is an important piece of this. But, but even this idea of loving the process sounds to, a lot to me like cultivating care, right? The Lord God put them, the man in the garden to cultivate and care for it. God has put things in you to cultivate and care for it, right? Not what that gift can buy you, but rather for you to shepherd that, to care for it, to do something with it, to make it productive in some way. I think this is, this is an important thing for us to, to ponder just as, well, not just as a church, but as a society. So go on to the next, next verse. Because, uh, what is it, the old Keith, Keith Green? Um, he is divine, you are the branch, right? <laughs> That's where it comes from. But I am the vine, you are the branches, so, I mean, he's being so crystal clear here. He's like, look, in case you missed it, yes, I am the true vine, he's the gardener, but guess what? You're the branches. What are you going to be connected to? Mm, right here. So that you don't miss the metaphor. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, you will bear much fruit. Oh, okay. So somehow this idea of fruitfulness in the Christian's life, in the follower of Jesus' life, in the disciple's life, is this idea of being in the presence of God. Are you following that? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we, we have this, I mean, I mean it, is, it is right right there, because later on in verse 8, he says, this will prove that you're my disciples, that you bear much fruit. So this idea of being productive, of doing kingdom-oriented things, to being a follower of Jesus uh, is, is, uh, is evidence that you're a disciple and that you're connected to him. It's kind of the point of a vine, is to actually produce things. Now, there's this very troubling little, <laughs> little, little verse here. Um, yeah, there's the proof. Um, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, okay, that one bothers me. Hey, I gotta be honest. I, had I been there, I would have been the guy in the back going, um, could you explain that, please? And Jesus would have said no and kept on going. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this idea of apart from me, you can do nothing. And I, I puzzled over this for a number of years. Because, of course you can do things without being connected to Jesus. I mean, you can hold a job and you can raise kids and, and, and um, you know, you can 
stay married, although it's a little difficult to do that without Jesus sometimes, right? But the point is, is that it happens all the time. It happens around the world where people are able to actually do things without, without Jesus. But, but here's, here's the difference, and I think this is where it becomes important. Because at the same time um, that I can do some things apart from him, I also know that apart from him, I'm really good at sowing discord. That I can be confusing to other people. I can be hurtful. I can do all those things too, apart from him. And so here, what he's really saying, I think, um, at least as I'm understanding this, is that apart from him, I can't do kingdom stuff. I can't produce that kind of fruit. Um, later on in, in um, verse 8, again, it's this idea of lasting fruit, something that actually matters, something that has some meaning behind it. That's hard to do without, without Jesus. Because fundamentally, I am wretched and self-serving. And so is every other person. But to do something that's truly lasting, kingdom fruit, means that I suspend myself for the sake of another person. And that's really, really hard. It takes an extra dose of love to be able to do that and to expand our capacity for that. And so what I think he's saying here in this passage is, apart from me, you you can't produce kingdom-oriented fruit or fruit that's lasting. Is this making sense? I think this is an important piece of this for us to think about. And so um, the question really is, what fruit are you producing? You know, if you do kind of some self-reflection, what are you connected to and what fruit are you actually producing? Because Jesus is using this metaphor for you and for me because he's the vine and we're the branches, of course. Now, fortunately, we get some help from another New Testament writer, a man named Paul. And uh, a lot of you were were wondering when I was going to make this connection. So hold on, here it comes. And so we're going to look in the book of uh, Galatians, the letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians in different churches scattered throughout what is current um, modern-day Turkey. And um, they would have taken this letter and probably passed it around to a number of of different congregations. And in, in there, in this letter, In the fifth chapter, he writes some very interesting things. First one is in in verse one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So there's this freedom component that's, that's going on here. Hang with me. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be, what's the word? Free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Oh, wait a minute. So there's a difference here. There's a, there's a freedom that produces some stuff that you like, and there is some freedom that really is about serving other people. Okay. So then we get into sixteen seventeen. So I say, walk by the what? Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? So freedom and flesh are now opposite one another. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. 
Meaning you don't have free reign on this thing. Huh, interesting. And then Paul goes on to describe what kind of the fruit of the flesh is. I'm not going to read that because it's really depressing, but you can read it, and I suggest you do. But at the end of Galatians 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Here it is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, and they use forbearance because nobody wants to actually admit to patience, right? (laughs) Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the type of fruit that being in the vine produces. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing the connection? Because when you think about it, fruit that lasts, things like that, love, joy, and peace. And let's be honest, how many of you would like a little bit more of all of those things in your life, right? Yeah. I think this is an important thing because here Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and yet we are what are called Trinitarians. That means that we believe in the Trinity, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Now, there's a whole lot of theological unpacking to do, but suffice to say at this point in the discussion is that some of the greatest minds in history have all studied Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the idea of them being one, three but one, and they've come to the same conclusion. It's a mystery. It's just a mystery how that happens. But we use those terms interchangeably, God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and there's a, there's a reason for that because we believe in the Trinity. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about the presence of God because it's, it's Jesus in us, right? It's the Lord that's in us at this point. And so through his work, um, we remain in the vine. And by the way, even though you're remaining in the vine, that's true freedom. may not seem like it at first, but it really is. You are free to actually produce something that's lasting, something that's truly valuable. And I think that all of us, in our heart of hearts, is something that we really want. So let's think about it in the terms of our diagram, right? So in our triangle, we have me on the left, God on the right, in our life kind of at the top, our assignment. If you're going to try to, to do something apart from Jesus, you're, you're climbing up the left side of the triangle. Let me know how that works out for you, by the way, right? You, you, you've, you've experienced some of that too, I would imagine. But apart from him, you can do nothing. But if you're in the bottom part of the triangle, you're actually remaining in him. And that's the part that we're trying to get to is to actually live our lives in the bottom of the triangle in our relationship with God because that's remaining. That's the presence of God. That's where we receive his uh, anointing. We receive his calling. We receive all of those things that we need to actually live life out to whatever your assignment happens to be, uh, however you plan to live. It's a really helpful tool, I think, to look at all of this. It seems to me that disciples uh, produce kingdom-oriented fruit. Um, And the difference between a disciple and a believer is, of course, the presence of God, right? But 
there's, there's this part of me that says it's a little bit uncomfortable to, to reflect on some of this, especially if you're asking, you know, questions like what am I connected to and what kind of, pr- pr- you know, things, uh, fruit am I producing in my own life? And, and if you're, it's a little bit uncomfortable because I think there's always going to be this gap between where I am and where I want to be. And I just want you to understand that right now I'm not condemning you. I don't want you to feel that way. In fact, I would say, you know, in the name of Jesus and by the blood on the cross, the voice of shame in your head must be silent. Don't listen to it. But instead, understand this idea of self-reflection and fruit and is to look and say, oh God, you know, change me. Help me to remain in the vine. Let me be in your presence so that I can produce the kind of stuff like love, joy, peace, and patience, the thing that the world desperately needs. Not more stuff, not more clothes, not more you know, appliances and you know, all sorts of silly things that you see on TV this time of year. I don't need more of that, but what I really would love to do is to have a little more patience with my kids or my spouse. Not my spouse, no. My, she needs more patience. No, we don't need more patience. We're doing fine. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, the point is, is that, you know, we could all be a little more kind. I, one of the things that always strikes me at this time of year is when you talk to retail workers. Oh, my word. Or wait, waiters and waitresses, servers at restaurants. You know, they say the worst time of, uh, worst time of the week to get tips is Sunday after church. <laughs> we should be the most generous people around. My goodness, we've got to turn that, that perception around somehow. And keep that in mind is, is that those are the types of things that you produce when you're thinking in terms of being in the presence of God because he's given me so much. How can I not share that um, to be changed in that, in that regard? So don't feel shame on this one. Rather, what I'd love for you to, to understand is that when he talks about being the vine and you're the branch, what he's, he's saying to you, he's actually inviting you I have so much more for you. I have more for you. It's not that you're supposed to feel lousy about that stuff. It's look at what else is available. Please come join me. I want this for you. It's a very encouraging thought, I think. And so for those of you who are engaged in some type of spiritual discipline, whether you're journaling or whether you're meditating or you're you know, praying or fasting or one of those, I'm just going to... I'm just going to um, encourage you to write it down somewhere, ask the question of, what fruit am I producing, Lord? What, where, where am I? And what are you inviting me to? What, what's the alternative? What else is there? Y- you talk about this idea of remaining in you. What does that actually mean you know, for me? You see, his presence brings freedom. Freedom to produce good and holy things. And like we said, the world is desperate for that. Want to see more of it. And you know, I, I, I can't help but, but also kind of think that <laughs> the need for that type of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is only going to become greater the further we get into the election cycle. <laughs>